Welcome to Searchlight, a survey through Scripture with Pastor John Corson. It is our desire to bring you a systematic study of the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book. Does your sin feel oppressive to you? If you were honest, would you say that you are enslaved to your sin? What can you do? That is what we are finding out here on Searchlight as we study through Judges chapter 3. In this story, we see that Israel was oppressed by a king named Eglon. The Bible describes him as a very fat man. This is a picture of our destructive sins that weigh us down and enslave us. As we join John today, he is telling us about Ehud, a man who is about to take a sword and deal with the oppressor Eglon. With the story and the application for us, here now is Pastor John. He takes this sword from under his garments to deal with the oppressor, the problem, the heavyweight deal, you see. David declared, how shall a young man cleanse his ways? And he answers, by taking heed to the word, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Because the word, Hebrews 4 says, is quick and powerful, sharper than any what? Two-edged sword. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 says, take the sword of the spirit, which is, Paul says, the word of God. This is the word. What do you do? You hide it under your garments. You hide it in your heart. And you pull it out like Jesus did when he was attacked by Satan, by the oppressor, by that heavyweight from hell, Satan himself. Jesus quoted the scriptures once, twice, thrice. For every temptation that was sent his way, the oppressor came to him that day. And Jesus unsheathed the sword. It was hidden in his heart. And he beat back the enemy successfully. The sword, it's the key. This is what this story is about. To overcome the heavyweight problems, get in the word, meditate therein day and night, Put it in your heart. Memorize parts. Go through the same sections over and over. Go from chapter to chapter, book to book, from cover to cover. Not simply going through the Bible, but the Bible is going through you. That's the key. And you can pull it out, you see. And that's what Ehud does here. And it says, he put this sword in the guy's belly and the dirt came out. The guts, the entrails. The dirt. The sword goes in and the dirt comes out. The sword goes in and the dirt comes out. The sword goes in and the dirt comes. Now you are clean, Jesus said, through the word which I have spoken. Are you knowledgeable of the word? Are you a student of the scriptures? Certainly you are. You're here tonight and I commend you for that. But to the degree that I allow the word to go in me, will be the degree that the dirt comes out of me. The word goes in and the dirt will, John, you might say. 
I know you, and I see lots of problems. True, you're right. And you've been in the Word for years, right? Well, how do you explain that? You wouldn't believe how rotten I would be. You wouldn't believe how bad I would be. You wouldn't believe the jerk. If you think I'm an idiot now, you wouldn't even believe what I would be or where I would be if the word wasn't going through me. By the way, the same thing's true for most of you. See, we can say, well, how come I, you know, you're doing this or I, 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 I saw you do that or say that or whatever. That's inconsistent. True, you're right. But my goodness, we're never going to know, tell heaven, what it would have been like had we not had the word going through us and working in us. We have problems, it's true, but let me tell you something. It's nothing compared to what it would be like if we didn't have the word going through us regularly. The sword goes in and the dirt does come out. Read your Bible and pray every single day. Read your Bible and pray every single day. You unsheath the sword. Man, I know I talked on this Sunday. One more word of exhortation. It is the key. It is the singular key. Jesus said, the words which I speak are spirit and life. If you want to be spirit-filled and experience abundant life, you become committed to the word, a student of the word, meditate in the word, memorize chunks of the word. He did that. He hid the word, the sword, drew it out, thrust it in, and the oppressor went down. Well, the story continues. Then, after the dirt came out and Eglon fell down, Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor, Upon him and locked them, he locks the door. And when he was gone out, his servants came. And when they saw, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked, they said, well, well, Eglon, surely he covers his feet in his summer chamber. It's a nice way of saying he's using the toilet facilities. That's what's being said here. Covering his feet is a way to say politely, you know, he's, he's taking care of that issue. Whereas your margin might say, he doeth his easement. So they think, well, you know, he's not coming out. So, you know, he's locked the doors in this summer parlor where they would have a facility there to, to utilize for those occasions. And they tarried, verse 25, till they were ashamed. Man, what's taking him so long? They thought he's locked himself in, you know. My daughter Christy, when she was traveling with Peter, John, and, and Jesse, and... Uh, Everett and Nadine, across country, years and years ago. Peter, John, how old were you back then? Thirteen. So that would have made Christy about eight or so, right? Somewhere around there, yeah. <laughs> she got locked in the bathroom at an RV park. Christy's always getting locked in places. I mean, she was locked in, and, and, and you know, Peter was wondering where she was, and well, not too much. And finally they heard this cry coming from the bathroom and Christy was locked in and they had to take the door off and pull her out. She got locked in. It was funny. They all went in her class, third grade. Was it third grade? No. What class was it? Third grade class to go to see this uh, fish hatchery up here, you know, outside of uh, wherever it is. And they took the van up there, 25 kids in the van and they're all there. And, and they all get out and go on this fish hatchery tour and Christy was locked in the van. And uh, nobody realized she wasn't there until four hours later when they came out. And, and Oh, but she got a free lunch out of the deal. So anyway, be that as it may, 
That's what happened here with Eglon. They thought, well, where is he? He's locked in. Maybe, who knows? Finally, they took the key, it says, and they opened the door. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. He had escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Seirath. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mount of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down before him from the mount. And he said, follow after me, verse 28, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan, also the Chevys, towards Morab. And they suffered not a man to pass over. Follow me, he says boldly, this guy with his handle on the sword so effectively in the previous part of the story. Follow me. And so they follow him. If you want to be a leader of family, man, be a man who has a handle on the word and knows how to use it effectively. It's where your authority comes from. My son and daughter, Ben and Mary and myself, had a long discussion tonight after dinner was over. And it was all about, really, what does the word have to say? And we looked at principles from the word and talked about stuff that related to the issue that we were working through as it related to the scriptures. And I'll tell you this, mom and dad, makes all the difference when you have an authority that's not your own. But when you can say, this is what the word has to say, it's the key. If you want to be a leader, to any degree, then be a man like Ehud. Follow me, he said, because he was a man that knew the power of the sword and used it effectively. So they followed him. And they, verse 29, slew Moab, the men of Moab, 10,000 in number, all lusty, which means, as your margin says, all fat. So it wasn't just Eglon, but 10,000 other guys were like Eglon, and they killed them all. And there escaped not a man from that group that day. Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. And the land had rest fourscore years. The land had rest. Once again, because this guy was a man of the word who utilized it effectively. And the oppressor was wiped out. The same thing will happen for you. The same thing happens to me. Heavy problems, dark days, tough things. You get in the word. You spend time more than ever in the scriptures talking to the Lord about what you're reading. Crying out with passion. Taking in through meditation. And you'll find, like our story here, that I don't care how heavy the problem might be, you will be set free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus said, the truth does indeed set free. I found that to be so in my own life over and over. So have most of you. After him, verse 31, was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. He also delivered Israel. Shamgar, the next judge, the third judge, we've seen now Othniel, and then Ehud, and now Shamgar. He only gets one verse. See, what he does is he takes his ox goad, which is a stick about eight to ten feet tall, six inches thick. On one end was a metal tip that you would poke the oxen with to get them going, to get them moving. On the other end was a flattened piece of metal. That would be used for cleaning plows, 
very utilitarian, you see. And this guy, Shamgar, obviously was a farmer having an ox goad in his hand. But a battle broke out round about, and he used what was in his hand to wipe out 600 Philistines, it says. Amazing. He did it with the ox goad. And all that's to say, very simply, God will use what's in your hand to bring about great victories. If he's given you skill musically, use it to beat back the enemy. It's not about you, it's about the enemy. We need you to use your skills. If you're a computer guy, use it for God's glory. If you're a mechanic, use it if there's a wrench in your hand, you see. If that's your thing, whatever it might be, people say, well, so I can turn a wrench or so I can you know, work a keyboard or so I can plaster a wall or whatever. Use it for the glory of God. These guys just came back from Mexico, Ed Young and a whole bunch of guys, and they were down there using what was in their hand to beat back the enemy, doing what? Working at the mission, a place where people might be trained up and orphans taken care of. And these guys will hear him say one day, well done, you used what was in your hand. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Peter was a fisherman. He had a net in his hand. I'll make you a fisher of men, the Lord said. Paul was a scholar. He had a pen in his hand. I'll make you the epistle writer, the Lord said. David was a shepherd, had a slingshot. I'll use that to bring about a great victory for my people, David. You watch, you'll see. When people say, well, I don't know what my ministry is, I say, what talents do you have? What has God put in your hand? A golf club. Great, use it for his glory. Be a holy one, you know. Somehow use what God has given you. Well, how does that work? I don't know. You're the one that has the instrument in your hand. I can't tell you how you're going to use that scalpel if you're a brain surgeon like Dr. Potter here. I don't know how that works, but he's going to discover increasingly, this is what God's put in my hand, and this is how I'm going to beat back the enemy. Not just make a living, but have a life. By using what God has put in my hand for his glory. See, if everybody would do that, my goodness, how powerful the body of Christ would be. Instead of folks saying, well, I'm just not that good, or I just don't feel up for it, or I just don't have a vision, or I just am kind of tired. Ah, ouch. Ah, heartbreak. Because you got to know this, kids. I've got to remember this. We're going to stand before our Lord, and he's going to say, what did you do with the ox goat I gave you? An ox goat? What good's that? If you would have used it, you would have seen the enemy beaten back amazingly. You would go down, in my book, God would say, as a mighty man, a mighty woman, well, you might say, I don't care about that. I've got things to do. I've got, you know, a job to tend or kids to raise or whatever it might be. I don't care about eternity. You will. And I'm here to remind us tonight, man, life is short, and you're going to be in heaven before you know it. And I'm going to stand there before my Lord. So will you. And we'll give an account of what we did with what he put in your hand, in my hand, in our hands. Use it. Shamgar did. And he goes down in history as a guy that came through beautifully. Well, they did evil 30 years later again in the sight of the Lord. 
And uh, 30 years have passed by. And once again, we see them now being disciplined, sold into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan. Once more, in this cycle after cycle that takes place in their history in the book of Judges, 400 years, cycle after cycle, again, we see them doing well, then stumbling into sin, and then crying out to the Lord and God raising up a deliverer for them, set free, years pass. But then again, they fall into sin or step in, as I should say more accurately, and the cycle repeats itself again and again. But I do want you to note something here, and that is there was 40 years peace in verse 11 of chapter 3. There's four score years, verse 30 of the same chapter. It seems as though that every generation needs its own encounter with the Lord, its own revival. And we'll see at the end of chapter uh, 5 again, after this next story that we'll look at, again it says the land had rest 40 years. And there seems to be something to this, uh, not exactingly, but there seems to be this repeated theme in the book of Judges, that every generation needs its own revival, you see. Forty years is a generation in the Bible. And what a thrill it is to be a part of this generation's revival. We're watching it happen before our very eyes. We're a part of it in these last days. And now we're seeing a new generation. And I often allude to just cruise out on Tuesday night some evening this summer and take a look. And you'll see a whole new generation being raised up who have a passion for the Lord. And are going out and being a witness and impacting their generation. It's an exciting thing to see. But we need that. We need to pray for the next generation and ourselves too. Lord, may this be real. May it not just be borrowed from some previous generation, but may it be the work that you're doing in us at this time in a fresh way. It's kind of frustrating a bit on one hand because I didn't mean to take so much time with Ehud again. I really wanted to spend the chunk of time tonight on the next story, which is Jael and Sisera. It's an amazing one. You that read ahead know it's kind of an interesting story. And yet, in praying before service in driving out in the afternoon hours and the rest, and even back here briefly, just praying that God would be at work. I just believe that somehow that this story that we looked at again tonight of Ehud needs to be reiterated because it needs to be established in our hearts. I was talking to an elder who's been here for a lot of years, a good man, a dear friend. And some weeks ago, as we were sharing together, he opened up his heart to me and said, you know, I have not had a personal devotional life in quite a while. In years. I lead a group, a koinonia study, he said. I'm always here on Wednesdays, and he is. And yet, he said, somehow I've lost my, my way in the personal devotional life, my personal study time. 
We talked about it and prayed together. And I so appreciate his honesty, his candor. Saw him recently and he said, man, I am so thrilled because I'm rediscovering again what I used to do years ago in starting my day, reading the scriptures, just meeting my Lord. He said, frankly, that which was oppressing my life, John, just being bummed and blue has lifted from me. And we prayed about that and talked some more and I thought, boy, I I wish that that word could get out and be heard. See, even sometimes elders, mature men, mature women, subtly begin to neglect the personal devotional life. It's the most important thing you'll do is to spend time every day reading the Word and talking to the Lord as you read through His Word. Communing, confessing, celebrating, sharing. I'm really, really absolutely convinced that many people are unnecessarily depressed and sad. Year after year, 18 years because they fail to understand that the key to getting rid of the darkness in their thinking, the darkness of their soul, is the light of the word. Day by day. And I guess in this moment, in this section of Judges, I think the Spirit of the Lord would say to the Applegate family, take this opportunity this devotional opportunity, seriously. Enjoy it. Savor that. Be committed to reading through and studying consistently the Scriptures. All prosper. You'll prosper. Blessed is that man, Psalm 1 says, who meditates therein day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Bringing forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What man? The man who meditates in the law, in the word, day and night. And you've done that this evening. You're here. I commend you. It's right. When tomorrow comes, take advantage of the opportunity tomorrow to open up your Bible. Talk to the Lord. Hear what he has to say. Thank him for what he's done for you as revealed in his word. And hey, your leaf will not wither. You're not going to shrivel up. You'll bear forth fruit in due season. And whatever you do, I guarantee you'll prosper. Psalm 1 is the promise of God to you. It's the promise of God for me. And what a blessed promise that is. If we immerse ourselves in the Word of God, we will prosper. And the oppressive sin that has been weighing us down will be lifted. 
This teaching is also available on the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. You will also find on the website Pastor John's books and other Bible study resources. Again, the address of the website is johncorson.com. Pastor John has often encouraged us to spend time each day contemplating the Word of God. One great way to do this is with a daily devotional. Pastor John has put together three daily devotionals that cover the entire Bible. A Pillar by Day and A Day of Feasting are taken from the Old Testament. A Day's Journey is a devotional from the New Testament. Each daily devotional has 365 short meditations and are presented in John's insightful and practical style. You may order each daily devotional from our website at johncorson.com. Searchlight is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support. May the Lord richly bless you.